Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter and Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. If you've not already, I do encourage you to check out my ebooks, All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo, and All I Needed to Know I Learned from Dragnet. Each examines the careers and histories of seven great fictional detectives or policemen and life lessons that can be learned from them. They are available as ebooks or also as audio books through audible.com or the iTunes Store. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Mystery is My Hobby, and the title is. Death Speaks with Ten Fingers. Mystery is my hobby. Ladies and gentlemen, Barton Drake speaking. For tonight's drama, I've selected case history number 123 from my book, Mystery is my hobby. I call it Death Speaks with Ten Fingers. Now to Glenn Langan as Barton Drake for the first act of Mystery is my hobby. So that's where my money's been going, is it? I thought as much. Oh, now, Blanche, I only took a little. A little? Do you call $5,000 a little? And don't forget, most of that's mine. I had it before I married you. But, Blanche, I didn't... Oh, yes, you did. I'm sending out this suit of yours to be cleaned, and what do I find? A lot of betting tickets on the horses. Oh, why, Blanche, I never bet on a horse in my life. I wouldn't know how. Don't lie to me. You lost that money gambling. And I know where, too. The sportsman's club. The place that's run by that deaf man. Well, I, I admit I do go to the sportsman's club once in a while, but but I don't bet on the horses. I'm going down there right now and get that money back. Now, look, Blanche. You don't think for a minute that Ted Wallace will hand over 5000 just because you ask for it? He'd better. You know how I am when I'm mad. And I'm taking a gun along. You stay here until I get back if you know what's good for you. Holy smoke. I've got to get hold of Rose. Rose? Guy. Hey, look, kid. Something's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah, she found him all right. Now, wait a minute. She didn't react like we thought she would. No. Well, she's, she's coming down there to the club. You better get him out of there. Yeah, yeah, you get out too. Yeah, but I'm telling you, she's coming down there. She's coming down to kill your boss. Sure is a good thing we've got this little restaurant to meet in. I got here just as soon as I could, Guy. You got out before Blanche showed up? Oh, yeah. Got out. Ted, too, huh? Yeah. 
Gee, Rose, I'm sorry it worked out this way, but I just couldn't take your money all in a lump sum. She'd have had me thrown in the can. I never did think it'd work. I figured if I took a little at a time, she'd think I spent it. Didn't want her to find out about you and me. She hasn't, has she? Oh, no, no. Those betting tickets you put in my pocket fixed that. She thinks I've been gambling on the horses. Oh. Well, that's what we wanted. Yeah, but it didn't work out that way. Instead of getting mad at me and getting a divorce, she's going after Ted. Well, we'll just have to figure out some other way. You know, I kind of wish you hadn't got Ted out of there. I wish you would kill him. I wish you'd taken the whole thing at once. She might have killed him six months ago. Then we'd have 5,000 bucks instead of this 2,500 we have now. Dirty blackmailer. Well, I warned you about Ted. Oh, sure, it's my fault. It's always my fault. Everything's always my fault. Well, you insisted in hanging around the joint all the time. Ted was bound to get suspicious and ask questions. You know he's always looking for an angle where he can make money for himself. Well, how was I to know that a guy who couldn't hear or talk could find out anything? Well, he can read lips. Oh, you ought to know that. I know that now. So he makes you give him half the dough or he'll go tell your wife. Where'd Ted go, do you know? Yeah. Over to Pete Millar's apartment. Pete Millar? Hmm? Oh, holy smoke, that's the other guy who talks with his fingers. Yeah. But, but that's the guy Ted was selling those phony racing tips to. I know. Ted cleaned them out. I thought they were mad at each other. They are. Pete was in the joint yesterday. He swore he'd kill Ted the very next time he saw him. I know. I saw him spell it out in sign language. Well, then what did you want to send Ted over there for? Uh, can't you guess? Rose, you're wonderful. Hey. Wait a minute. Ted won't go over there, not if he knows Pete will kill him. Mm, but I told him that Pete sent word he wanted to apologize. That he was sorry and wanted to buy some more tips on the horses. Honey, you sure got a head on you. Well, things might work out all right after all. It's a nice spring day, still warm, even if the sun has gone behind the tall buildings that surround the police station. Barton Drake walks briskly along, his mind in the clouds, thinking of a snag he's run into in the development of the plot for his new book. It isn't faith that's led his steps to this place. It must be his subconscious mind, because all of a sudden he looks up and discovers where he is. By George, the very thing. <laughs> I did not think of it before. Well, that's the good inspector. Quickly, he runs up the steps. Only to meet the good inspector who comes slamming out the door. Inspector, the very man I want to see. I can't stop now, Bart. i got a lot of business. Oh, now, Inspector, surely you can give me just a minute. I've given you many hours of my time. Well, what do you want? But make it snappy. I'm stuck, Inspector. In my new book, I want a murder to look like suicide. I want the victim to leave a suicide note. But there has to be a clue in the note that proves the thing to be murdered. <laughs> Things like that don't happen in real cases. Well, i got to be going. Inspector, surely in some of your cases you run into something like that. Look, Bart, we just got word of a double suicide, maybe a double murder, hmm? or a suicide and murder. How do I know? There are two dead people, and I haven't seen them yet. Well, maybe they left themselves to death, huh? Uh-huh. Not these two guys. Neither of them can hear or talk. Naturally, Inspector, nobody can when they're dead. They're... These guys couldn't do it before they were dead. They were both deaf and dumb. That's right. 
Who are the inspector? Ted Wallace, the guy who runs the sportsman's club. He's a bookie, you know. Yes, I'm a friend of his by the name of uh, Pete Millar. Well, where did it happen? In Millar's apartment. Neighbor heard three shots, peeked in the window, and saw two bodies stretched out on the floor. Now, that's all I know, so help me. And goodbye. I, I, I got work to do. The inspector, uh, can't I come to? Now, look, Bart. This time, it's strictly police business. But the setting, it's so bizarre. I... Look, Inspector, I've got to come along. Well, all right. If you'll promise just to stand around and watch. I promise, Inspector. Okay, I'll remember that. Thank you, Inspector. Come on. Yeah, here they are, just like the guy said. Do you know which is which, Inspector? I ought to. I've run this guy Wallace in enough times. This is him here. Hmm. Two bullet holes. Yeah. Hard at close range, too, Bart. See, Potterburn. One entered his shoulder. The other his head. That's the one that had his number on it. This one's Millar. Only one bullet. Which accounts to the three shots. Hmm. Right through the heart. That one had a number on it, too. Also powder burns. Well, that's kind of funny. How could both of them have powder burns and still be lying almost 20 feet apart? Well, I'd, uh... Hey, 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 just hmm? a minute. You're only supposed to be watching. I'll do the deducting. Oh, I'm sorry, Inspector. Well, well the way I see it, Millar here shot Wallace. First bullet didn't kill him, so he fired another shot in his head at close range. Then Millar walked over here, shot himself. That had to count for the powder mark. And to prove it, here's a gun, a thirty-eight, lying here right where he dropped it when he died. How's that, Bart? Uh, I'm just watching. Yeah. What's this over here on the table, Inspector? What? This piece of paper. How should I know? Looks like a note. Well, read it. Okay, if uh, I have your permission. Go ahead. Thank you. All right. This is too much. I bought a lot of racing tips from Ted Wallace, and all of them were fakes. Wallace came here this afternoon, and I accused him. He said I was wrong, so I bought one more tip. It was for the third race. Mm-hmm. To make sure I made him stay here till the race had been run, the horse didn't win. This tip was a fake just like all the rest. So I killed him. But then I killed myself. I'm broke. I have no further reason to live. Goodbye. <laughs> Signed, Pete Millar. See what I told you, Mike? Checks. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Inspector, what time did the neighbor hear the shots? 3.30, the guy said. That checks, too. Condition of the body shows that they've been dead about an hour. Mm-hmm. It's always handy to know the exact time the murder was committed. Murder and suicide, Barton. Yes, excuse me, Inspector. Murder and suicide. Well, you want to see any more? Sure, sure, sure. Now, don't rush me. Now, look, here's some uh, cigar butts here in the ice tray. Mm-hmm. What does that prove? Well, that, uh, that, uh... That the gentleman smokes cigars. You're quite right, Inspector. It proves that these guys did just what the note says. They waited here quite a while for the race to be run. Well, I better look through their pockets. Hmm. While you're doing that, Inspector, may I, uh, have your permission to make a phone call? Sure, sure. Go ahead. Thank you so much. Yeah. Here's something in Wallace's billfold. What, Inspector? Identification card. Says, in case of accident, please notify Miss Rose Hope, 3436 Bell Street. That's probably his girlfriend. Hello, Joe? Barton Drake speaking. Fine, thanks. Look, Joe, can you give me the exact time the third race finished? Now, look, Bart, don't try to gum this up. What was that? 324, huh? Now, look, Joe, 
That's the exact time on the minute. Thanks. Thanks very much, Joe. The third brace was run at exactly 3.24, Inspector. And what does that prove? I don't know. I thought perhaps you'd like to know. <laughs> Marge, you kill me. That checks again. Millar found out that his horse didn't win at 3.24. So he had his little argument and he shoots Wallace about five or six minutes later. <laughs> you can't fuddle this case up, Bart. It's in the bag. Yes. Uh, don't you think we should go out and call on this Rose Pope inspector? What for? Well, it's for no other reason than to comply with the dead man's last request that well, we notify her in case of an accident. Rose Pope? Yes? Police, we want to come in. Police? Please, can't we talk out here? My my room is in a mess. We have some bad news, Miss Pope. We'd better come in. But I... We're coming in. Uh, oh. All right. Going somewhere? What? Why do you ask? I see you're packing. Oh, well, yes. I, I'm just getting ready to take a vacation. Um, what's the bad news you want to tell me? You know a guy by the name of Ted Wallace? Of course. Ted's my boss. Ted Wallace is dead. He's dead? Yep. He stopped a couple of bullets. Oh, I, I was afraid of this. But he insisted on going over to Pete Millar's place this afternoon. Oh, so you know who did it? Huh? Well, I can guess as much. Pete had threatened him. He threatened to kill him. And he called this morning and asked Ted to come over. Said he wanted to apologize. I warned Ted not to go. Well, well, I guess I'll have to put my vacation off a few days. Yes, I'm afraid so, Miss Pope. Quite a few days. No, you won't either. All I want you to do is come over and identify the body. Then you can go anywhere you doggone please. Of course, I'd be glad to. You don't mind if I go into the bedroom and get my hat? No, no, no. Go ahead. Thanks. I'll be back in a minute. What did you want to say that for, Bart? Say? Say what, Inspector? About calling off her vacation for quite a few days. You'll need her for a witness at the murder trial, won't you, Inspector? There isn't going to be any murder trial. This case is solved. Now shut up and let me handle this. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Inspector. I forgot. I'm only here watching. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say it was about time that the hat was back? Huh? What do you mean? Miss Pope, uh, she's taking it quite a little time. Well, you know how dames are. Mm-hmm. Suppose we listen a minute. I don't hear anything. No, neither do I. Hey, I get you. Come on. Hey, the dame isn't here. She's gone. So it would seem. The wind is open. There's a fire escape just outside. As she is, just reaching the bottom. Hey, you, Stop. Mark, she's got a car parked at the curb. My, my. Yeah, she's getting away. Hey, stop. Stop for our fire. And now, back to Glenn Lankin as Barton Drake for the second act of... Mystery is my hobby. 
Darn you, Bart. Why did you have to scare her? Scare her? Yes, you scared her out of her wits for telling her she couldn't go on her vacation. That's why she pulled a sneak. Then why are we chasing her, Inspector? Well, I can't let her get away with it. Can't let nobody make fools out of the police. She doesn't seem to be slowing down any. No, if I wasn't driving, I'd shoot out one of her tires. Well, let me try it for you, Inspector. Well, okay, okay, here. But watch out you don't do anything but aim at the tires. Right. Hold the car steady, Inspector. Okay. Got it! Hey, hey, she ran into a lamppost. Give me back my gun, Bart. You're too expensive. That lamppost will cost the city 250 bucks. Well, she isn't hurt anyway. No, she's running for that clump of trees. Come on, come on, Bart. I'm right, Bart. Hey, Miss Wolf. Miss Wolf, stop. We aren't going to hurt you. We've got her now, Inspector. Yeah. We're gaining. You better stop where you are. I've got a gun and I'll shoot. I wouldn't do that if I were you, Miss Pope. Why don't you shoot, Inspector? Uh-uh, not me. I'm not going to have her blood on my hands all on account of your foolishness. Stop, I tell you. Stop. Isn't this rather foolish, Miss Pope? I would have take the police car and get away. Look, look, look. You haven't committed a crime yet. Don't go in for car stealing. I'm coming after that gun, Miss Pope. I'll shoot. I mean it. You don't want a real murder charge against you, do you? I'll shoot to kill. What in the world did you do to your stockings, woman? Huh? Where? Oh, my arm. Thanks. I've got the gun, Inspector. Good boy. I didn't do it. I didn't kill Ted. I haven't seen Ted since before lunch. I was in the office till almost 3.30. But he didn't come back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We know you didn't. So I left. Nobody came to the office at all except some woman. I sent her away. I didn't have anything to do with the murder. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Yes, well then what were you running away for? <laughs> I know the cops. They tried to pin it on me anyway. Oh, come now, we really aren't that bad. I'm, I'm sorry. I guess I was a little fool. Yeah, that's better. What do we do now, Bert? Hmm? Oh, uh, I'm just watching, remember, Inspector? Oh, nuts. You can answer my questions if you want to. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to take a look at Ted Wallace's office at the Sportsman's Club. But how about Miss Pope identifying the body? We can do that afterwards. If you come along and tell us everything you know, Miss Pope, I'm sure the big bad inspector won't hurt you. It's been a long day. Here it is, 7 o'clock. Dark already. Here we are. Yeah, door's locked. I have it. Help! Somebody help! Hey, somebody's in there. You better hurry. Help! Help! Gosh, it's dark in here. Where is it? Must be in the office there where the light is under the door. Hmm. Let's go. Help! Oh, thank heavens. Hi. Guy, honey. Who's this jerk? Guy, honey, what did they do to you? A dirty lug. He handcuffed me to the chair. Who's he? Ted Wallace. He handcuffed me to the chair. Been here since 2 o'clock this afternoon. Somebody get me out of here. We will. Just as soon as you've told us your story. All right. He came up here to see Ted. He's been blackmailing me. Hmm. He knows about Rose and me. Threatened to tell my wife. What time was this? Oh, about 2 o'clock. Go on. I told Ted if he didn't quit, I'd go to the cops. Motion for me to sit down in a chair. Ted couldn't talk, you know. Hmm. Well, then he sneaked around back of me and handcuffed me to the arms of the chair. When was this? By two o'clock, I told you. Then what happened? Well, he wrote something and put it in my lap. Yeah? Yeah. There it is on the floor. Yeah. There's, uh, 
Got something to do first? Be back and take care of you later. I've been here ever since. Wallace never came back. Now, will you please turn me loose? In a minute. We want the whole story first. Come on, Bart. We got to get out and identify... The body? Bodies? Who's dead? Wallace. Him and Millar both. That's why he didn't come back. Did your wife learn about your sub-Rosa love affair, Mr. Wallop? Well, uh, uh... Did she watch? Well, to tell the truth, maybe, maybe she did. At least she knew that Wallace had cheated me out of some money. It, it was her money. That's really the reason I came here this afternoon. My wife, Blanche, had threatened to come down here and kill Wallace if he didn't give the money back. I came to warn him. If Wallace is dead, I'll bet she did kill him at that. Did your wife come down here? How would I know? Hey, Bart, somebody just come in. Well, do your duty, Inspector. All right. Come in here, you. Blanche. Oh, so they caught you, you dirty murderer. Blanche, I... I Who is this dame? It's my wife, Blanche. Very interesting. What are you doing here this time of night? Well, I might as well tell the truth. I came here to see if I could recover some of the money my husband and this Wallace person stole. You didn't expect Wallace to be here now, did you, Mrs. West? Of course not. He's dead. You see, gentlemen, how could she know that if she didn't kill him? Oh, no, I didn't. I came here this afternoon, and this young lady told me that Mr. Wallace was out. I made her tell me where he went, so I went out there. Nobody answered the door when I rang, so I peeked in the window. There were two bodies lying on the floor. One was Wallace. But what's more important, I saw a revolver lying on the floor. It was my husband. But, honey, I couldn't have done it. I've been here all afternoon, handcuffed to this chair. Wallace himself handcuffed me, then he took my gun and beat it. Well, I guess that's about all, isn't it, Inspector? Huh? What do you mean? We haven't even taken them out to identify the bodies yet. I mean, you and I know who the murderer is, and uh, that's all we need to know, isn't it? Well, murderer? Yes. I'll let you tell them, Inspector. Well, after all, you know, uh, I am only supposed to be watching. <laughs> Now, back to Glenn Langdon as Barton Drake for the conclusion of... Mystery is my hobby. Come on, Bart. Quit your gagging. Oh, I'm not gagging, Inspector. I know you were about to arrest Guy Watts here for the murder of both Ted Wallace and Pete Millar. Well, uh... And am I glad to get rid of the rat? It saves me from getting a divorce. God, you didn't. Of course not, honey. Let him prove it. Well, I caught you in one lie, Watts. When Bart and I were talking about the body, you said body. How did you know there were two? Fine, Inspector. That was darn smart of you. You never referred to the two of them. Yeah. And I've got you in another lie. How is it if you were handcuffed to that chair since 2 o'clock this afternoon... How is it that the lights were on in here when we get here at 7 o'clock? Excellent, Inspector. Yeah. Mr. Watts couldn't have possibly turned them on if he were handcuffed to the chair all that time. And how was it that if your wife came here to the office after 3, as Rose Pope Pierce corroborated, how was it that both Rose and your wife didn't see you if you've been in that chair since 2 o'clock? Inspector, I knew you could do it. All right, all right, I did it. No use denying it now. You know, Bart... <clears throat> I do much better when you just stand around and walk. Yes, you do, don't you, Inspector? 
Uh, there's one little thing, though. What's that? Of course, you should have realized that it was a double murder way back there when we first went in to look at the bodies. No? How could I know that? Oh, I know. The cigar. The cigar. And what did they prove? Uh, nothing. Right. But the so-called suicide note did. Well, I figured a watch here must have written that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how did you figure that? Well, he just must have, that's all. Correct, you are right. He did write it, Inspector. Yeah. And this is what proves it. You see, our friend here had Wallace write in the note that his horse lost in the third race. I checked and found that the third race was over at exactly 3.24. Yeah. Now, the time of the murder was established as six minutes later, exactly 3.30. I'll have to hand it to Watts. He had the time figured down almost to the second. Yes, didn't he? Sure did. And for Wallace to get the returns of the race that quickly, he'd have had to be listening to a radio or uh, receive the results over the telephone, wouldn't he? Sure. Mm -hmm. How does anybody get the race results? They have to hear them. They hear They... Here. Yes, Inspector. Yes. Kick me, will you, Mark? My pleasure, Inspector. Quite all right. They couldn't hear. There were both of them deaf. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks, Inspector, for letting me come along. You know, I think I'll use that suicide note exactly as it is for my new book. A suicide note with a definite clue to the murderer. Yep. It's sure out of fit. All of which makes me very happy sometimes that mystery is my hobby. Langer will return in a moment. Mysteries, My Hobby is written by Fred Howard and directed by Dave Titus. Tonight's episode was based on a story by Ray Wilson. Original music was composed and played by Len Salvo. Included in tonight's cast were Ken Christie as Inspector Danton, Gene Vanderpile as Blanche Watts, Barney Phillips as Guy Watts, and Gloria Blondell as Rose. The events depicted in this story were entirely fictional, but any resemblance to actual places or people, living or dead, is purely coincidental. And now, here's Glenn Langan with a word about next week's story. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you, Bruce Buell. Next week, plan to be with us when I bring you case history number 124. It's a story of love, intrigue, and homicide. I call it, Death Turns the Tables. Welcome back. Well, I had not thought about the question of 
how they would find out the results immediately. Of course, living in the 21st century, uh, we're spoiled and uh, not uh, conditioned to think about that. But certainly in the post-war era, if you were deaf, you'd probably be waiting for a newspaper or for someone to tell you in person, like if you had some sort of personal service set up. I thought the whole idea of Barton Drake trying to stay out of the investigation was silly, since th uh, there's never been portrayed a problem between uh, Danton and Drake with uh, his uh, involvement in the cases. In fact, you know, when we go back to the original 52 uh, episodes, uh, really it was... Uh, you know, didn't constantly uh, calling him in. Well, uh, listener comments and feedback, and we have a comment on Facebook from Bill. Uh, Bill uh, writes in uh, regarding the episode uh, Death Paints with Purple. Hi, Adam. I have to say that I'm not enjoying the, the current run of Mystery is My Hobby. It's not just the new Inspector Denton, but the addition of the announcer and an audience, and the script seemed to be weaker than before. I was a easily able to guess the murderer because Purple is traditionally associated with royalty. Also, Barton repeating the murderer's full name uh, over and over reminded me more of Inspector Thorne than Mr. Keene. Oh, fair point on that. On a side note, I've been revisiting the... Uh, I guess I should address the uh, Mysteries My Hobby thing. I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I will say that... Uh, what we did have for those first 52 episodes were syndicated uh, episodes, which, you know, we don't know how those originally sounded when they were broadcast. It could have had, you know, at the very least, the audience all along, but it doesn't really add anything to it. I think, you know, at least with, say, The Man Called X, the audience could add, like, kind of a... You know, this sort of little bit of spontaneous laughter when it was at CBS. It doesn't add a whole lot here. Uh, but he uh, says, I've been uh, revisiting the entire run of Rocky Jordan and came across uh, something uh, interesting in my Instagram feed. There is a village in Nebraska named Cairo, which was named after its Egyptian uh, counterpart. It features sculptures of camels and pyramids, and many of the street names follow the Egyptian theme. However, with it covering less than one square mile and having less than 800 residents, I doubt they have a cafe tambourine. Well, uh, thank you uh, so much. Appreciate that. That is definitely a cool feature. Too bad they don't have a cafe tambourine, but if anyone's out there uh, wants to go and start a uh, business uh, in Cairo, Nebraska, there is an opening for something. Uh, if you're into opening restaurants, just don't blame us if it doesn't uh, go well, but there, it is an option. Uh, and his comment actually sent me down an internet rabbit hole, and I found an uh, article on a episode of Rocky Jordan uh, which was called The Man uh, from Cairo. And it was about a tourist from Cairo, Illinois, uh, coming to uh, Cairo, Egypt, and having some very interesting opinions about 
uh, Cairo and expectations. It was on the website dedicated to radio writer Kathleen Hite. That's K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-H-I-T-E dot com. And uh, it's uh, got a whole lot of interesting articles about her work on programs like uh, Fort Laramie, Romance, Escape, uh, and uh, it's it's worth checking out. Now, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Rhonda, Patreon supporter since uh, this past October, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support, Rhonda. And uh, that will actually be all for now. I do want to encourage you, if you do enjoy the podcast, be sure to rate it and uh, review it wherever you download your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow with yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And then next Thursday, another episode of Mystery is My Hobby. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.